Welcome to the Thinking Man Podcast. Think different, be different, make a difference. Episode 2, Taking Back Control Through Elimination. Welcome, Star. Welcome. I'm glad to be here. All right. So our last episode, Responding Versus Reacting. We learn how to replace something negative with something positive, something weak with something strong, um, something bad with something good. Today we're going to look at um, enhancing our lives, taking back control of our lives by eliminating things that are holding us back. Items that we have given over control to. We get lazy, we put ourselves on autopilot. And all autopilot means is, uh, however it goes, it's going to go. And we give over that control. But we need to make room for strong things in our lives by eliminating weak things in our lives. Why can't I just add the strong things? Well, that's what we always try to do. We live in a busy world. Yeah. Right? Oh, I'm going to do this. I want to do that. And what happens? We feel that we don't have the time. We don't have the space to add those good things to our life. Um, and time and space are two things that are very valuable to us but we always seem to cram them up with the wrong things so what we want to do is if we take away the bad things and we start to eliminate we'll create a vacuum right for things to move in now we want to make sure that what moves in isn't other weak things but good things strong things and those strong things are what we're talking about each week so instead of adding on as a to-do list and not having enough time let's get rid of all of these things in our lives that take away our time they drain us emotionally they drain us from our family they drain us in time and foolishness and as we go through them we're going to see and i printed out a little list for you and i to work from for sure so pick pick anything from the list i listed 20 some (laughs) odd things from vitamins to games to guilt rejection disappointment we could start wherever you like and let's let's go with this for some reason Right now, my eyes are on self-pity. Self-pity. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> so what, what drew your eyes there? Reason being is because I can go through those times of self-pity. You know, when sometimes things don't go my way, um, you go into that to that funk where you, where you feel start feeling sorry for yourself. You, you're saying, you know, why am I even doing this? This is always how it turns out. Uh I'm I'm tired of doing the right thing, uh, and and you start to feel bad for yourself, and what you don't realize is that no one is going to join your party, uh, with you. They're not going to join your party with you because guess what? They're going through the same self pity, and they want someone to join a party. So you're in the party by yourself, and it's an easy thing for you to get into to self pity mode, especially when you don't have people around you to remind you of who you are. And when you don't have people around you that remind you of who you are and, and, and what you're doing and the purpose and why you're doing it, it's easy to be feel isolated and start to go into that mode of, you know, self-pity. Yeah. And self-pity is you telling yourself, it's okay to be weak. Oh, I want to feel sorry for myself. That, that's all it is. We want to feel sorry for ourselves. And the reason we want to feel sorry for ourselves, we wish somebody else would come along and say to us, oh, you poor guy, you poor baby, Uh, you got the shaft, Uh, this shouldn't have happened to you. 
we want it's that weak person that weak guy that we don't like and that's all self-pity is self-pity is we want to we want to comfort ourselves we want to hug ourselves we want to quit yep and, and what does that do i mean in the long run what what does that do to you there's no there's no triumph there's no process that you have to go through to get to the next level if you want someone to come along and say oh you know it's feeling bad and and, and kind of coddle you a little bit yeah. what, what does that do to you in the long run how would you feel if somebody came and pitied you like uh, uh, like I, I, I feel I feel sorry for you star <laughs> I you know you are in such a bad place and look at everything that's happened to you. Poor, poor you. Does that feel good? Does it feel bad? Or would you feel embarrassed? I feel a little bit embarrassed yeah. about that, right? You know, most of the times if I'm going through what I'm going through, um, the whole, the world could be crumbling around me, but I'm still going to walk around with a smile on my face. I'm still going to push forward because there's a sense of responsibility um, with that. I think even going back to the 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 reacting versus responding if you have a sense of responsibility that people depend on you every day you never know who's watching you so if you take too much time to 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 dwell in that self-pity you don't realize that you affect other people's lives right so if you have a sense of responsibility that your presence and, and what you do and how you move and how you act and talk affect other people's lives then you you wouldn't stay there you you wouldn't stay there. You wouldn't be the victim. You know, you wouldn't be the victim because you'll you'll set the example of, okay, I can get through this. I can push past this. And it only makes me stronger. And in turn, you're able to give that energy or, or the things that you learn to someone else. And if you're busy having pity for yourself, it means that you're not lifting up somebody else. Right. And that's where all these things are. All of these things in a glimpse isn't the end of the world we're all going to experience just like we spoke about reacting it's going to be there we're going to feel it but don't let it grab onto us don't let it hold on to us it's when we do that that all of a sudden it it grows and it becomes something out of control there was a movie that i loved that i watched when i was a kid it was called the forbidden planet and this guy was on this planet and this incredible civil civilization called the krells super advanced all of a sudden in a matter of overnight they went and they became extinct and they didn't know what happened and there was this invisible monster going around the planet trying to kill these travelers and what they found out was that the Krell had developed this machine that was able to create whatever they were thinking so mm. as advanced as they were all of those bad things inside of them developed this monster now they, the monster killed them all overnight now here you have the scientist that's there and he thinks he's fighting some monster that's trying to kill him he builds a robot to protect him he puts up a force field and in the meantime he's fighting himself wow it was the machine was magnifying all of his own all negative thoughts that were coming in all of his fears all of his things that all of these things in life um and he was fighting himself magnified wow and didn't even realize it but once he realized it he knew how to defeat the beast wow all right and that's what we're about let's look at these things let's let's defeat the beast it's I like us that. defeat the beast yeah, defeat the beast so you know that self-pity it's it's all of these things when we look at it and we start to go through the list we're going to realize some of these things aren't so bad but are they really important and what are they taking time and space away from 
in my life, time to be with somebody else or space to have somebody else in my life to do something or, or what I'm doing. And if I'm busy pitying myself, I can't be helping somebody else that's down. Yeah, it's impossible. All right, let's. We got a lot of we got a lot of items hey, on this list. We're gonna touch and we can come back. I'm interested to see what what which one you're gonna pick next. Uh, I'm gonna go to games. Oh yeah, let's go. Let's go to games. <laughs> as you know, as a kid, I love video games. As a kid growing up with Atari and television, Sega, all of those things, I had a dream. My dream was that by the time, I wished that that you could have a career playing video games now you can <laughs> yeah now you can and i'm t- but i think i'm past my video game right. prime but it's amazing how things have come about so i still find and again nothing wrong but what do i use my ipad for and these stupid games i use that my wife will go what are you doing you're so which was such a smart guy what are you doing playing games and I'm like, I just escape. I'm escaping. Mm-hmm. And that sounds really good. But what I'm really doing is I'm procrastinating. Yeah. I'm putting off doing more important things. So I want to go into something mindless. And I would go into you know a little game. And whether it's 10 minutes, 20 minutes, or an hour, what should I have been doing? What was more important? You know, if you were to spend a couple minutes, it's okay. But what do we do? We spend more and more time. We let these negative things into our life. And they just grow like like a fungus or a mold. So games was on was number one on my list too. Not that I play so many games, right. but as I went through my list and I you had this list of twenty five, um, I tried to see instead of getting everything off the list at once and being Superman, I just said let me start with something really stupid and something that was really bothering me. Right, it's personal to you. Ga- yeah. Games was at the top of my list because I knew it was feeding my procrastination mm. and other things that were more important. And it would be, oh, yeah, uh, you know, let me just go this, play right. this game before I go <laughs> Real do quick. that. And you so, almost get sucked in to think that it's going to help you and push you forward to do what you actually have to do. Like, yeah, once I play five minutes, 10 minutes, I'll be good to go. I'll, I'll get it out the way. And that five or 10 minutes turns into what? Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's again, it's that monster. Once we realize that I'm only fooling myself and I'm right. fighting myself, then I know. Then I know how to win. Then I know how to win. Let's go. Your turn. Pick one. Anyone. Let's let's go. Uh, um, bitterness. Aha. Uh-huh. Bitterness. This is not an original statement. <laughs> bitterness is a poison that we mean for others, and then we drink ourselves. Oh boy. Yeah, that's not original. I. I, I Whoever, whoever said it was like, yeah. <laughs> that, that says it strong. all. It, it definitely was strong. I've heard that a few times. It's that's all bitterness is. Is that it's that seething anger in ourselves um, that we have and wishing ill upon another. But in that all that bitterness, that person is fine and dandy, not thinking twice, and we're we're drinking the poison. Yeah, your own poison because it's like an internal. It's like an internal thing of of something that you're lacking that all of a sudden you're you're you know someone did you wrong or you was in a relationship or whatever and they've moved on and you're still there thinking like man why couldn't they be this way towards me why couldn't they do this or why did they do that and you're constantly going over a story in your head that can't even rewind it's gone it's past and and it's hard for sometimes for people to um 
to move forward from from tragic or hard situations in their life, but they don't understand if they approach those situations as a learning experience or something that's going to take them on to the next level, that they will have a, a, a better understanding on how to move forward. Don't, don't get me wrong. You know, we all human. We all hold that like, you know, if something happens, someone did, did you wrong. You don't necessarily sometimes wish the best for them. You don't you don't you don't want them to always be successful moving forward. But if 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 you take that eye off of of what they did and say, you know what? That taught me something. Mm-hmm. That did something for me to push me to that. Well, I'm glad that it didn't work out because hey, you could have been with this person or been in that situation for a very very long time and wasted a lot of your life, but be happy that it happened. To the extent where it had to move your way and separate you from that situation, we could go on to the next situation and say, you know what? I know not to do A, B, C, and D and what to look out for. So it's a preparation. And I think if you develop that attitude as going through situations as not only a test, but also to as a learning tool, um, that it will be hard to hold on to bitterness. And I, and I don't know where it develops. And maybe you have some insight on on, on how or where. Maybe maybe it's from childhood. How, wh- wh- where do you think bitterness kind of like comes from? Or, or it's that weak, it's that weak person inside. It's that pride. How dare somebody do something to me that isn't what I wanted to be done? You said something interesting though. You said, oh, you 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 don't wish them bad. Uh, you know, you just that they they're okay. But sometimes. We'll even take pride in that because what we should really be doing if we really want to rise above it and not being bitter because even if we're just neutral, it's still sort of bitter. What we're really supposed to do is is wish wish a person well. And that's the only way to get rid of the bitterness because it'll always be under the surface if because then we're always going to be afraid they're going to do well. Right. And then if they do well, it's just like a monster <laughs> waiting to come up again. But now why not wish them well? So that way we're free of it. We're free of whatever happens. And it is it is ugly. It's like everything. It comes from just ugly places. But how do you wish him how do you wish him well and, and, and really mean it? Cause cause the only person would know, because you know, if you're having a conversation with someone, right, and you're talking about a particular person that did you wrong, and you know, the first thing you'll say is like, Well, I don't wish bad upon him, I want him to succeed. You're just saying words because that's yeah, what yeah. what you say, right? Well, how do you actually get past that uh, part <laughs> to say, okay, I really truly feel this in my heart that I don't wish them well? Because no, they, they don't deserve to do nah, well yeah. because they're they're a horrible person. Nothing, nothing <laughs> would make you feel better than to see them fall on their face, right? But it just isn't right. It is not so, right. So how do you do that? Yeah, and when I'm talking about wishing them well, it doesn't even need to be their fa- to their face because it's not about you and them. It's about you and you. It's as simple as that. True. So how do you clear your mind? How do you how do you get it there? Well, number one is you start. What are you bitter at them about? And if we start to get the right perspective and we back up and and you start to know yourself a little bit, what did they what did they really do to me? And what they did to me is it was it really attack an attack against me personally what were they thinking right you know sometimes we there's always two points of view and the other part of that is think about all the good things in your own life and all the things you have to be grateful for and mm-hmm. all the blessings and then who am i to be bitter about anything i have so much and all of us have so much to be thankful we for. have so much to be thankful for 
and everybody has good things about them. So instead of focusing on the bad thing that person did, focus on good qualities about that person. Maybe they were a real jerk to you, but maybe they're a good dad to their kids. Right. You know, maybe they're a good family man. Focus on that and and wish them wish them well in your head. You need to, not for them. You're not you. wishing them well for them. It's wishing them well for you. It goes hand in hand with forgiveness. And I was about to say uh, the same thing. They say the toughest thing about the only thing harder than forgiving is not forgiving. Yep. You know, that's the that that it because that's the worst thing. And it's difficult and it's only if you want to hold on and you want to keep drinking that poison, that drug. So bitterness is um is a tough one and wishing a person well or letting go it doesn't mean that it's gone. It'll resurface again and it'll bite you again, but you need to gain control of it again and push it back under. And little by little you'll gain more control, right? Cuz that's what we're talking about taking back control. Control about who you are and what you're feeling. Otherwise, you could spend a whole day being bitter or you could spend a whole day encouraging people. The choice is really ours, but only if we take control of those of those emotions. Yeah, and, and to add a, a side note to that, um, just find myself nowadays just being free from that, right? And it's something that you said that is important that helps you get past things like that. And that's worrying about, you know, I got a beautiful family, they're healthy, you know, I've got good things going on in my life. And if you could turn away and, and put the focus on that and just move forward, I think that definitely helps a lot, um, you know, being free from that, for sure. Another episode is going to be about Freedom Star. <laughs> but you really, you really hit it. Um, many times we put ourselves in a little cage instead of being free by these type of things. And it is, it's, it's letting ourselves be free. So I'm gonna jump, my turn, I'm gonna jump to one that's, that's not as deep. Okay. Processed foods. Oh <laughs> man, oh man. So, and again, some of these are gonna be for the mind, some for the body. You know, pr processed foods are easy. Quick. Comfortable, quick. All the things that we're talking about for the mind are no good. Mm -hmm. And same thing for the body, they're no good. They fool us. They, they comfort us, but they really break us down, right? Some, going back to our last episode, re, you know, reactions as opposed to responding. Yep. Um, same thing. Sometimes those reactions, being angry, sometimes will feel good. It does. It's a false minute. sense of weakness, yeah. but, it, but the long-term effects are it breaks you down. Same thing with processed foods. Whenever I'm, I want to get serious about my health, that's the first thing. I don't worry about what exercising I'm going to do. I don't even worry about what I'm going to eat. Right. It's... Let me eliminate the really bad, the toxic things from my life and hence processed foods. And the great thing is, man, when you get rid of processed foods, what's left? Pretty much well, good things. That's the vacuum effect that we're talking about. That's why I included some regular type of items in my list because, you know, in our mind and our body are, are connected, of course, and we got to keep them both healthy and in tune. So uh, processed foods, that was a light one. Yeah, I mean, for processed foods, a lot of times, you know, as a person training, clients would say, you know, write me up a list of what I'm supposed to eat and, you know, break all this stuff down. I said, you know what you're not supposed to eat. Don't even ask me that question. You know, the first thing I tell them to do, if you could drink water consistently, then we can talk yeah. because it starts there. It's foundational. It, it, 
if you if, if you can't drink something as simple as water on a consistent basis, how are you going to follow a plan? Eliminate this and add this. You can't. It's amazing when you're putting something good and pure into your body like water because part of what our mind does, it tricks us into doing things. And we're eating things when sometimes we're thirsty and we don't realize it. And once we get the, our, that fluid level proper, sometimes now our, our, our brain stops being fooled into what it thinks we need and you'll start eating healthier as well. You will. Your, your body starts to say, you know, I want to clean things. And a lot of times with a processed food, it like, it's just like a, a parallel to, like, say, anger. Like, okay, we got angry for a minute. We feel like that rush. Okay, we ate that Big Mac or we ate that cheesecake, whatever it is that that's that's, and we feel that rush. But eventually, you got to come down from it. Eventually, you might get that stomach ache. Eventually, you might get that headache. Right. So, it is is instant gratification for processed foods. It's not long term. So, if you fill your body with those artificial things that are not organic that are not true, that are not pure, the side effects are much worse than you thinking or struggling and say, well, I got to eat good today. I got to eat good today. The struggle of eating bad is way worse than the struggle of saying, making the right choice or decision. It really is. It really is. Makes sense. Hey, and one thing I want to remind everybody about, this isn't a list for everybody else. Right. I shared my list. This is my list personally right my personal list so as you're going through just like you told people you know what you shouldn't be eating you know it, you know your list <laughs> right you know your list yeah I mean, this is mine and they you know some of these things might be universal feel free to steal as many as you like but this is my list and and i will tell you start what i did was every day i had this list and i and i would go in and i would date put the date next to it and that's it I committed myself to one a day and, and even if I wasn't feeling that thing but every day I would look and it was whatever was at the top of my list that day and sometimes I had to go back through um, but this is this is my list and I have to keep on going through this list sometimes because they creep back into your life right. and you don't realize it all right so the next one I'm going to go with now is anxiety <laughs> anxiety about what about just things happening, building soap operas in your head. That, ha- that happening is in the present. Yeah. Anxiety has nothing to do with the present. Well, you know what? People make it seem like it's the present. Oh, so what might happen? <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh I gotcha. <laughs> the, I gotcha. Like it's happening now and it's not even there. So I'm with you. Okay, so we're we're anxious about something that hasn't happened yet. Do we think it's going to happen? Or oh, absolutely. We... We're convinced. Okay. We're convinced it's going to happen. All right. So we really. So it's a movie that hasn't played yet that we're that we're running over in, in, so our, in our mind. Okay. Yeah. So anxiety and regret. I think you've heard me say this before. Go hand in hand. Regret is a movie that a bad movie that we keep replaying over and over in our head, and anxiety is a movie that hasn't even been made yet that we make it in our head, and that's not original either. Um, the guy by the name of Bob Cattell, I heard him say that, and, right. I, and I never forgot it. He was really good, a really good speaker. Um, but that's all anxiety is. Now, here's my question that I always have. So tomorrow, right, there's things we're worried about. There's things that we think are going to happen. There's a way that we think the day is going to go. If you wrote down all the things, how you wanted your day to go, and what you were worried about happening tomorrow... If we could transport ourselves into tomorrow and you were to look at it, 
I would guarantee you that 99% of those things that you plan to do, didn't plan to happen, whatever it may be, none of your day happens the way it is. I mean, there'll be things you'll wake up, you'll eat, you'll do things. But for the most part, your day doesn't always go the way you plan. Yet in our worrying, so but now I'm going to worry, I'm going to imagine what's going to happen. And we really think that's the way it's going to be. You know, is, is your life today what you thought it was going to be a year ago or five years ago? No. no. Things don't natu- usually go in the direction that we think, good or bad, right? You and I are both sitting here because of choices we've both made in our lives. Correct. No other reason in the world. Absolutely none. We could say whatever we want. We could talk about jobs, people, family, relationships, where we're born, whatever. We're both sitting here across from each other because of every decision that we have made in our lives. Forget about any other effect. Forget about any other person. So once we start to realize that, you know, what am I really anxious about? Whatever comes my way, I'm going to have to deal with. Yeah, you, you, you're right about that. And, I, and, I, and a big part of um, anxiety and guarantee some people need to take um, medication for anxiety is chemical imbalance, which uncontrollable. But for the everyday worrier, the everyday, you know, just anxious about life, um, it, it stems a lot. And, and you can get grounded in affirmations. Now, I'm not just talking about speaking into the mirror and saying, you know, I'm great. I'm going to be calm today. I'm going to do this. It comes from affirmations as far as um, planning. And if you can plan your day, right, and you have A to Z to do, right, but there's a purpose behind your planning. If you don't have a purpose behind your planning or or you're just going through life, you know, just waiting for stuff to happen, you can develop anxiety if there's no plan. Because you're kind of just there and you're waiting for stuff to happen That's to good. you. That's good. That's good. So planning your life kind of, we can't stop time, but we can control what we do in it. So if you if you plan a little bit better, I think anxiety itself wouldn't, wouldn't have a grip or a hold on you too much because I've got a million things to do and I don't know how to do them. I know I need to do them, but I don't know how to do them. Sometimes it's as simple as this and what I do. I got a million things to do. I just get a paper, pen, and I write a list. So it's out of my brain on the paper. And I say, okay, which one I'm going to do first as far as priority. And it kind of takes that anxiety away from me because I know it's on the paper and it's out of my brain when I'm just juggling it. I'm juggling my brain. Oh, if I do this, then I can't do that. Out of my brain, on the paper, execute. One foot in front of the other. That's it. When we have anxiety, as you said, we have no plan and we're worried and we're counting on fortune to make everything go well, right. What does go right look like? That's the other problem. We don't even know what go right. We go by our feelings. There's so many things connected to that anxiety. And if you look at what was I worried about last week, either we don't remember. No. Or So it couldn't have been that important and it probably didn't happen then. That's right. But And you can go through that every week. What was I anxious about last week? Did I have a reason to be? I don't even remember what it was. But that will, again, take up so much time. And you're right. There are people that have medication. And the mind is incredible. It is, you know, a chemical imbalance because our mind is is a lot of chemical reactions. It doesn't mean we can't take control of certain things. And what happens with, with folks that have really severe anxiety is their mind gets stuck in a, in a circuit, in a circle, where they just keep on focusing. 
on that one thing right. and they, they need something. I don't know how the medications work. I'm not a doctor, certainly psychiatrist or psychologist, yep. but they need to break that chain a little bit and pull that person's attention away from where that, what that anxiety, what that fear is. And again, it's control that we give it. Take it. Let's, I want to step away from the, the person that has an anxiety disorder. Now let's go to us regular guys that we just start to focus. It's our view. Our perspective is is not what it ought to be. We see ourselves as being in in trouble or close to trouble when we really we really aren't. And it's usually then fed by our fears, of right. course. So anxiety is something that we can control when we start to put everything in perspective. Yeah, I definitely I definitely agree with that. And uh, another part, some some people get anxious about being anxious. Like they're they're automatically saying that okay, that's gonna make me anxious, and then they get anxious about even being in the situation. Like I know I'm gonna have anxiety, so I'm gonna be an- anxious about having anxiety. So it's like a vicious, vicious cycle. And and, and I tell you what, I've dealt with a couple clients who, you know, dealt with it where they have to take medication or they just don't have to take medication. And and a lot of times it's it's just waking up in the morning and and like I said, those affirmations and, and calming yourself down and having a direct plan for the day. It's just like the I know I keep going back to it, the the respond and the reacting part. You know that certain things are gonna happen in your life that day. Like they're almost like routine, right? So you know that sometimes when you walk through the house your wife, kids, or whoever, or when you go to work, there's someone or something that's going to really make you feel a certain way. And it all comes back to that training. You know you're going to get anxious, so it's almost like you got to prepare yourself to walk out that door in the morning. Prepare yourself to say, okay, these are the things that I have to do in order to prepare me to feel this way because I know I'm going to deal with it eventually. So it's like, okay, if I got to say to myself, Today, you know, you're going to remain calm, focus on the deal, focus on what you have to do. And, and, you know, sometimes that that works. It doesn't work all the time. But but if you do it over and over enough, I believe that you can you can almost like conquer that. Yeah, you absolutely yeah. can. A lot of it is just our our impre- our fear of what could happen. I think I told you, about, I, um, you know, if I have to go into a meeting or go someplace and meet somebody, I always have some anxiety about it. And it's based on what usually after the meeting after the encounter i feel great number one i feel great because the world didn't come to an end like i thought it would and number two it's like those false fears are behind me and what i started to do to get rid of some of the anxiety instead of thinking about the anxious part of it and i'm going to meet up with this person oh my goodness what if it doesn't what could really go wrong what is the person going to say they're going to shake my hand and say i hate you right i mean what's really going to happen it's silly it's not that serious it, it, at it, all it, it's it's what do we really think is going to happen but we it's it's insane let me ask you a question though anxiety sometimes you know couldn't be a bad thing because i don't know it, it does it cross a line with excitement because you know me like say i'm performing i'm doing a song I'm excited about going on stage and and, and and performing a song. I might be anxious, but I'm excited. You know, I, I'm thinking in my head, like, suppose I mess up. But at the same time, I'm excited because that's what I love to do and that's what I want to do, right? So it's like, can you turn that anxiety into 
excitement can you can you cross that bridge and say okay not necessarily a negative thing and say you know i get a little bit excited at times because when you're excited you just want to go you just want to yes i want to go and I'm, I'm ready but it might not necessarily be the time too there there, there are two there are two very very different feelings that that we have so we can't necessarily turn one into the other but we can reduce one and intensify the other and that's what happens quite often we spoke about let's say our fear of running into a building. If all of a sudden we have to run into a building as we spoke on our last episode to save somebody, our fear is not diminished. Something else has increased. So the anxiety may always be there a little bit, but you have to find something that is stronger than the anxiety. So for you to go on stage and perform, the excitement is more than the anxiety. You might have a phobia of leaving the house, but all of a sudden a loved one is performing someplace. You still have the phobia, but that's going to be strong enough to pull you out of the house and overcome. So, I love what, it. yeah, and that's it. We need something. You need a stronger emotion. Remember, move aside the weak, replace it with something strong. That's what we're talking about. So that's per- that's perfect. You know why? Because um, no guy he, he suffers from anxiety, but just the joy of playing with his kids and being out with his kids, like calms them or soothes them down so that that overrides the anxiety it doesn't get rid of it it doesn't get rid of it it overrides it it's replacing it right there's only so much room that's why i said time and space Mm -hmm. because certain things we refer to in time and certain things we refer to in in space as to where they occupy that unit of time so you just said it very well he loves playing with his kids so there's there's no room for the anxiety because the joy is there yeah, and you start to teach yourself. So what I do with the, for the for when I have to go to these meetings, instead I start to think about how good I feel afterwards. Right. And now I start to associate that with the meeting instead of my focus and perspective. Yep. I could focus on the nervous part. On which part of this movie am I going to focus on? The film. Instead of focusing on the the scary Jaws music that's coming in, instead I'm going to focus on the uh, you know the end of the love story when they go off into the wild blue and, and of course I'm not meeting a, a, a love when I'm having right. my meetings I don't want to get myself in any trouble but it's instead of at the end of the meeting everything's well and and you know usually you that person it. was probably a little anxious anyway and it's not the end of the world it's where That's our true. perspective our view and our focus ends up thank you All right. I'm going to go with I'm going to go with laziness. Okay, good one. Laziness. Laziness is really wanting to quit. Laziness is that weak guy in your mind that doesn't want to do the hard things we're talking about. You don't like that weak guy, don't you? I don't. I'll always talk about (laughs) him. I hate him. I hate him. I know his name. He's on my driver's license. I hate him with a passion. Um, I just hate him. And I've been trying to teach my, my kids about him, too. You know, we went to work out Saturday morning, and it was a hot day Saturday. It was scorching. And my little guy, you know, brought him out there. I said, listen, we're going to work out early, drink a lot of water. Here's your Gatorade. Um, but at any time, your head, your stomach, anything, just say the word. You know, but just make it that it's not just, eh, I don't yeah, feel like feel exercising. Like doing it. Yeah. And, and, and even, you know, so before we, we started our routine, he goes, uh, you know, how many rounds are we going to do? And I go, that's the weak guy. He's already that's the finding a way out. He- <laughs> that's the weak guy. I said, we're here to encourage each other. We're a team. You know, all the kids, we're out there to, to exercise. Uh, I said, that's that's the weak guy. And then he's walking around with his shoulders down. I said, that's the weak guy. Mm-hmm. Man, that strong guy looks so good. And, and he will. He'll look like two different people when his shoulders are back, his chest is out, and he's excited about something. 
or the one that's like, you know, dragging his feet and looking down and, and moping. And I tell him, you got to beat that guy up, man. He's no good. So laziness, I hate it myself. Uh, laziness has um, kept me, my laziness, from a lot of good things in life. And there are all, a lot of these emotions end up getting connected. The anxiety will all of a sudden be, I don't want to face this, so I'd rather just be lazy and be on the couch. And before you know it, you don't go to a meeting. Your career doesn't change. Your life doesn't change. Yeah. You become a victim. You become The self-pity kicks in. Then you become bitter at somebody. Yeah, 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 it's cycle. Oh, they're all in there. It's, oh. it's my list, Star. <laughs> Remember? <laughs> so that lazy person keeps good things from me, keeps good things from my family. And that lazy person is the one that just wants to quit. It's the one that wants things to come easy. And what comes easy? Nothing. If you want nothing, take it easy. I hate that guy. <laughs> I hate him. I can tell, man. I I, I despise laziness also, too. Um, I think a, a lot of times laziness is, is, is almost like taught. And yeah, yeah, you can grow up with a work ethic and a work ethic. It's taught, it's taught and, and you want to encourage your kids and anyone you come in contact to um, to model that big work ethic. So that's important to me as far as work ethic. Laziness for me, I get mentally lazy. I don't say physically because I'm a machine when it comes to being physical, but mentally lazy when I don't want to think about the process or the planning or any of that stuff anymore because you're responsible for so many things. You could get say, I just want to check out. So that's where the games come in. Um, you want to take that route, right? So the mental laziness, yeah, that 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 can be a very much is, issue. And that lazy man, I like to talk to him. So that's how I, I challenge my laziness at times. I talk, yeah, I talk to myself. I say, you sit here or, or if you lay down for a half an hour, hour, two hours, what is what are you going to do when you get up? The things are still there waiting for you. It accomplishes nothing for you. Get up and get going. You can sleep later. So you have to have conversations with yourself really to combat that. Because if you don't, you'll end up giving in. And it's so easy to give in rather than say, no, you're not going to win today. I'm going to win today. And guess who you're modeling and, and who's who's watching you? Your children. Your children sees you. My son all the time asks me, oh, daddy, you going to work? Oh, daddy, you work a lot. But he knows that I create balance with him at the same time. But he knows that I get up and I go and I make it happen. And that's what they know. So it's something that is model. It's something that if someone else sees you doing it, it's like normal. So if my kids see me getting up, getting after it, either sitting down, I'm working on a project. They know that I'm all the time that I'm always getting up and I'm getting after it. And I, and I believe that that passes down Um through generations you you can you can tell by a family as far as like if someone's a lawyer doctor or whatever prominent profession is out there that it that they sons and daughters don't become this by accident they don't they instill a certain drive in them almost to where they don't have a, they don't they don't have a choice but to succeed that's the norm it's it, what's expected, and it's it's, it's the, the example that was that was made to them. Very good. You're up. All right. Let's see where I'm going to go here with this. Let's go into rejection. <laughs> rejection. <laughs> so we all. It's not you. It's me. 
<laughs> now, there's many different types of rejection, right? It could be at a job place. It could be um, in a relationship. So many different things. It could be a friendship. You know, but what does that really mean, rejection? You're if you if you look, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I'm. I don't mean to cut you off. Go, it means that please. you're not good enough. Yeah, that's what we think. <laughs> you're not good enough. That's what we think. But you know what? Once we start to realize, look at how many different personalities are on the planet. You and I start can be best friends. You can have another friend that is a best friend, and you go, let me introduce him, and I meet him, and him and I hate each other. What does that mean? Is he a terrible person? Well, you wouldn't be your friend if he was a terrible person. Sometimes two people just don't get along. That happens in friendships, business, personal relationships. Sometimes the personalities just don't meld. It's as simple as that. That's true. And that's all that means. This is the reason why people stay in relationships too long. You know, you should get in a relationship. If this isn't the person right away that you want to spend the rest of your life with, what are you going to waste time for? Move on. Right. You know, there's, because there, there are so many different formulas that have to go together to make things work. So what is really rejection? It's just that we really don't fit. That's all it is. We, it's not a personal thing. We just, you know, our personalities are different, are, are different magnets or whatever. We, yep. we clash. has nothing to do with me yes yeah, and, and it really has nothing to do with you it is true Vin. yeah certain type of people just don't fit with each other and then after that rejection you know the aftermath is it when you do realize that what do you do with it you know you can start to go into that self-pity mode you can say after rejection oh i'm not good enough oh this is not what you like and you start making it so internal that it becomes all about you and you don't say to yourself, well, maybe it's not supposed to be like you can start having self-pity, bitterness. All these things end up being connected. Star. Childish. Yeah. You just being childish. Yeah. And, and what is that rejection? It, it's really nothing. You know, as as my kids grew up, I always told them, just be yourself. If you meet somebody and you're going to act like somebody different or who you aren't, well, then they're not going to get to know you. And eventually, they're going to see who you are. At least be who you are. You'll know immediately if it's a, if it's a fit right. and it works. And if not, you move on. Everybody's you're, you're unique You're talking about individual. most relationships, right? Yeah, <laughs> there you have it. it you just got to be yourself instead of trying to be you know, who, you're, who you're not. That person's going to see it eventually. Just let each other see it sooner and, and get it over with. People always say this. They say, you know, as you get older, you start to really not care about, you know, putting up a, a face, you know, to, you know, to people that you come in contact with, you're, you're just free to be who you are because that's what it is. Your, your fear of being rejected. But I think if you're confident in yourself and know who you are, I don't think rejection even exists. It's just that, like you said, like, okay, the relationship or, or, or connection didn't work on you move on to the next. It's not even rejection. It's just that we just don't fit. We just don't vibe. It's certain people that I don't even have conversations with. It's not that I'm rejecting them. It's like it's not a we fit. just can't we just can't have a conversation not because we're not on yeah. the same wavelength. Yeah. It's called wisdom as you get older. Right. Yeah. Wisdom is things that you've learned that now you apply. A fool is the person who has seen things, hasn't learned from them. And keeps doing the same stupid thing over and over mm -hmm. again. The wise man takes whatever knowledge it is, however limited it is, uses it, 
and he's a wise man. You don't have to be smart to be wise. Right. You just got to take what you know and, and do it. You know, when I put together a puzzle with the kids, when I take a piece and I put it in and it doesn't fit, I don't throw it in the garbage. No. Otherwise, at the end, we're sitting there, we got no, <laughs> no puzzle puzzles. pieces. That's you, good. You, you find the piece that goes with, and then you put together a nice picture. That's good. I like that. <laughs> you put together a nice picture. So it, it's... That when it's original. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's plenty of originals, you know that. But it's, you know, that that's what rejection is. And you know what else rejection is? Remember, replace it with something good. It's a blessing. Ah, uh, yeah. It's a blessing. Yep. You know, it's it's that person telling you right away, saving you a lot of time. Heartache, yep. That, hey, this isn't going to work. It's a blessing. Some You've people saved you don't, a lot of time. But I don't understand for some people, though, the rejection makes them draw, wanna, draw closer. They want it even more. And they get hooked up with these relationships that they knew from the, from the get-go that it wasn't supposed yeah. to be. Because they, can, they want it so bad. They confuse it with self-worth, and right. now they have to try and prove themselves. It, it, it's, a, it's a multitude, and they don't do it consciously. All the things we're talking about happen subconsciously, and that's why we want to, we want to take our body off of autopilot. Autopilot does not work. Right. It doesn't work. There's a reason we have pilots in planes still. <laughs> How about anger? Oh, boy. Yeah, I had to go with that one. Again, it's my list. Anger is that false sense of strength. All of these are tied together again. And it goes nowhere. Anger is draining. I remember I would get angry. And you know what I want to do after I get angry? I want to go lay down. Yep. I don't want to do anything. Because I just beat myself up usually. Some people feel really good when they get anger. angry because they're so afraid that it makes them step out of their shell and finally say what they always want to say. But that's not the way to do it. You know, you should never be speaking. You should never be doing anything out of anger. If it takes anger to get you to speak up and share Your true an emotion and a true feeling, yep. you got to find another outlet. Anger, yeah. anger isn't it. And, you know, a lot of that will just come from fear and anxiety. People seeing who I really am. Uh, uh, anger is... Anger's ugly. And what is really anger? Anger is something didn't go my way and I'm going to have a temper tantrum about it. That's what it is. And how many things really go my way? Not too many, Star. You know, things never really go the way we plan. Sometimes they go better. You know, and if things went the way we planned, you know, who knows where we'd be? Probably in a really bad place. It's always, it's always you know, it's not always what you want, but it's what you need. Um, for anger, um, I'm I'm pretty much even keel when it comes to anger. Very few things anger me, but when I'm angry, I'm angry. <laughs> you know, I, and I guess it's also to you know to respond and reacting like something might happen and they anger me. I, I one technique I do, I just hold on to it, and I and I and I pause for a second and I say, this can go either two ways. Either I'm gonna do this. Or I'm gonna do that, and usually the time because I'm, we're in that state of looking out for others. I don't know what that person went through for that day. I don't know their life, so I'm like a almost like a watcher. I'm always watching out for someone else's benefit. So my purpose, and when someone's in an escalated situation like that, is to see how I can make the situation better. That and, and I think that helps me a lot when not getting angry myself because I'm not looking at it as, oh, that person angered me. 
I'm looking at it is like, how can I make that person not angry? So when I approach a situation like, okay, how can I de-escalate it? How can I make everything good, calm, and where everyone is feeling okay? It's like going into a fire, right? I'm not going into a fire to throw gasoline on it. I don't go into a fire to throw gasoline on it. If my job is a firefighter, what am I supposed to do? I'm going in there to throw water on the fire. So if I know my role, I know my mission, and I have the train, and I know my purpose, anger is something that is like fire, is an enemy. So that's why I come against. Don't throw gasoline on it. Don't go. Why would I do that? You said something interesting. So with, with your anger, you can either express it. Right? So right away, you'll catch yourself and say, okay, I don't want to throw my anger at anybody. I'm going to hold it. But then what do you do with it? You still have it. Still have it. So you know, what? Well, I, I'll tell you, I, just just like how I did right there, I use it as, how can I say, anger, I use it, it I don't almost turn it to water because I have it. And I say, okay, this is anger. This is fire I got in me right now. I'm getting hot. My temperature is rising. So I say to myself, okay, how could I turn that into water? So I take the focus off of me. Usually when you take the focus off yourself, because anger is just what? It's internal. It's you. You don't get angry because somebody else is angry. You're angry because someone did something to you, and you're angry. You just want to let off steam, right? So I, if you take the focus off yourself and say, okay, when you're angry, you don't, you don't say, why is that person angry? No, you're angry. You don't care why they're angry. You're just trying to match their anger. So if you take the focus off yourself for a second, say, okay, I understand what's going on. How can I resolve this? How can I make it better? Does that always work? No, but that's a technique that I use as far as, you know, even to we're managing people because we all got to manage people in our lives. We got to manage our family, especially men. You got to manage our family manage the workplace and if you're in a supervisor or a manager role and you're a leader there's a lot of management and managing different personalities and you can't manage anybody unless you can manage, manage yourself, yourself first and managing yourself is that right there not letting anger take control of you because if you do then it's impossible to do those things as far as manage other people so we have to make sure we don't express our anger obviously Holding on to it is no better because it can turn into a lot of ugly things. Bitterness. Yeah, yeah. and you know, you, people commit murder out of out of anger. For sure. Um, they'll go, you know, they'll claim temporary insanity. Well, obviously, if you're going to kill somebody in anger, you were insane. You know, I don't know how temporary it was. Right. <laughs> but you know, we have to be very careful that we don't turn that into something else. It turns into bitterness. It turns into so many different things, and it'll that negative feeling can express itself in another negative way or we can make sure that we do it in a positive way you know what, what do i do with that anger number one i realize what it is i realize how dangerous it is to me i realize it's not a help to me and you take some good things you said about your friend that loves playing with his friend his kids you, know, you take something that's nurturing and strong for others as you mentioned and you focus on that and you'd be amazed because you can't make anger go away. No. It, it just, it goes away, but it either goes away, either it doesn't go away because you feed it, it'll go away over time because you've replaced things over time Eliminate. that you don't think about yeah. it. You've eliminated, not realizing that's what you're doing. Yeah. Or you can jumpstart it ahead of time and, and, and knowingly start to put things in and override. It's all about rewriting that code. This is all about the code that we have set in our minds that things are going to go 
in that same cycle over and over again unless every time we realize an output we don't like we change an input mm -hmm. to get the different output we got to rewrite the code star I we got to rewrite it. the code <laughs> I'm up. Mm-hmm. Let's let's go with pettiness. Pettiness. Small minded. <laughs> Simple as that. If you're gonna worry about a, a petty mind, worries about petty things. None of us want to think about us ourselves as being small minded. It's about perspective. It's about view. You know how what what is this thing? How important is this really? How what do I want to control so much that I need to control this little thing? Vin, you, you're married. You know how pettiness can play in a relationship, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's tit for tat. It's tit for tat. Um, but you know what it does? It, it, start, it keeps us, unfortunately, from seeing the big picture. When we focus on the little things, we're so close to something that we, don't, we, we, we miss the big picture. Let me, Picture. let me ask you a question. I'm going to go down this road. When we say little things, right? Suppose those little things that we as individuals think as little, but a person might think that they're big. Nothing I can do about the other person. <laughs> Nothing. And you're trying to accomplish a goal together, right? And you're traveling this road together. And, you know, things might come up in any partnership, business, relationship, yeah. whatever. And things might come up. What you might deem, say, you know, this is little. In the grand scheme of things, this is not going to matter. And the other person says, well, yes, it does, because this is a big issue with me. So the question is, is it a big issue? Maybe it's small to you, but it is big to them, because a lot of things go with history, upbringing, many different things. Why is it important to them? Why is it not important to you? So that goes into being considerate. As men, we need to consider the other person before we consider ourselves and what they're feeling. We need to address it. Sometimes we need to help that person to see the big picture. Is it really a petty item just to us? Or is it really a petty item that they're focusing too much on? And we have to help them with that. And if it's my partner that I'm going through life with and we have a goal, then I got to figure it out. And as the man, I, I really got to figure it out and carry that burden. And maybe it means I got to carry more of the burden. Because we are two very, we're going to be unique and individual people. It could be a business arrangement or whatever it may be. Um, and hopefully they'll see their pettiness, if it is a petty issue. But there's nothing we can do about anybody else. The only thing we could do about any other person in our life is help them. That's it. Help them, love them, care for them. That is it. The main person that, that we can change, the only person, only person we can change is ourselves we can help other people if they want to change but we can only change ourselves that's true and in, and in turn i think a lot of times you know helping that person doesn't necessarily mean engaging with them is that once they see you going through that process and you're making changes within yourself and you're not so much trying to make them change to fit you you're changing yourself to just be better period that helps them a lot because the changes that you're making not only benefits you, it benefits them. So it helps them say, you know what? They're working hard on changing themselves, so there must be some change going on. I'm going to do the same. And that's when I believe that, you know, that other person that you're in that relationship with can look at the big picture and realize that, you know what? 
maybe this is not what I really need to be focused on. The grand scheme of things is that we want to get to here and this is what it's going to take. Don't get distracted by the little things because it doesn't help in the journey. It distracts us. So working on yourself definitely helps out the other person when you're setting that example and walking that way. And just reminding this is the goal. This is the goal. This is the goal. And little by little, when you when you look at the big picture, those little things, they're, they only become big if we focus on them. And sometimes we have to help that person or we have to ourselves. We have to take our eyes off of what we're so close to and looking at because we're just we're just missing it. Right. Debt. I hate debt. Oh, yeah. Why do I hate debt? Because you said one of the key words before, it steals our freedom. When you're in debt, you end up staying in a job that maybe you don't want to stay in. Yeah. It will put you in a position to maybe do something at your job that you don't want to do because you can't afford to get fired. Correct. It could do so many things to your life. It could cause you, and I'm just using a job as an example, because that's what usually happens. If you're in debt, you have to work so hard, you're taken away from your family. You become a servant to whatever you got indebted to. Uh, I hate debt with a passion. I believe that um, it takes away our freedom. And when something takes away our freedom, we become slaves. Now I become a slave to my job. Yep. Instead of a person that is always going to do the right thing in life, now I need to be so afraid of losing my job that sometimes I will change who I am. Yep, compromise yourself. Compromise. Sure. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome word. Yeah. You start you start doing things like compromising yourself because you have less options. When you're in debt is like walls around you. And there's only way to if 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 the only way is up, guess where you're going is up. You're not thinking about breaking through the wall, going down over that suffocates you, takes away your options. And then within that, you start making horrible choices Mm -hmm. because all you're doing is trying to get out. And by trying to get out, guess what? You create more. There you go. (laughs) And it's a vicious cycle. So what happens? You end up working so hard and may have given this example before. That all of a sudden now you need a vacation, mm-hmm. right? A vacation because I'm working so hard. So what do I need to do? I need to go away someplace. Bad. I need to spend more money. Bad decisions. I go into more debt, and it's a and it's a vicious, vicious cycle, as opposed to not being in debt, not being stressed, and having a job that I enjoy, that I'm there and I feel free, or in my life being free. You know, with my kids, I tell them all. I said. You know, they get those things for the first credit cards. Mm-hmm. Oh, we got to build up credit. Everybody falls for that lie. Oh, I said, what's your credit report? I said, you know, my credit report goes down if I pay off a credit card. That yep. makes no sense. You think it should go up. Right. But it goes down. All that credit report says, this guy's really good. At, he borrows money and, and pays it back. That's you it. Know? And, and all the credit card is, is spending your money before you have it. it it's an ugly thing. And it becomes very presumptuous. You know, this is the funny thing. We were talking about anxiety. We're always so worried about it could be losing our job, whatever it may be. But we always believe that all of a sudden we're going to get a paycheck or I'm still going to have this job at the end of the month. That so much to the point. The reason I say that we believe that is that we are spending the money before we earn it. It's true. And that's a credit card. And credit, we get that foolish thing. Well, well, I need to get my credit rating up. For what? 
to borrow more money to, bo- to go into debt. <laughs> to this, borrow more money. That credit rating is really is really an ugly thing. It's an illusion. Well, what if I what if I want to buy this or want to buy that? Well, then save up for it. And I'm not saying you don't get a mortgage. I'm not saying things right. like that. But we're we're out of control. You know, I, I forget. I read it one time, and my numbers could be off. You know, the average amount of savings of a Japanese person is thirty percent of their income. Wow. Now that causes a little problem for Japan because your countries count on capitalism, consumerism, people spending their money. They don't want you saving money. If you're saving money, you're not spending it. In the United States, our savings is negative 1%. That's horrible. How can you have negative 1%? That means that not only in general do we not save anything, but we're in debt. Consumption. Is everything. Uh, and, and it's keeping the wheels of our economy together. That's why there's so much of it out there is because if, if we ever really got smart about it, our, our economy would slow, would slow down uh, and balance itself out. So debt is a very, very dangerous thing that we need to be careful of and that we need to work our way out of um, because that'll, that'll lead to a lot of the things that we're, we're, we're talking to. That'll, that'll give us a lot of anxiety. Um, am I, let's see where I'm going to go with Let's go with discouragement. Mm. All right. So discouragement and disappointment, I think we have to join up together. Okay, let's do that. Um, A disappointment is more of an occurrence. Something didn't turn out the way we thought or wanted, right? We get disappointed. I think discouragement is now that disappointment takes us over, us over a little bit where we almost don't even want to try yep. again so now all of a sudden I'm, I'm out there and i want to go i want to go shoot baskets you know and here i am i want to bring back my glory days i go to the you know i go i'm going to put up a three-pointer you and, missed the whole thing oh yeah it's an air ball right so that's disappointing right, <laughs> right? Yeah, i would say it's so. disappointing <laughs> and you're like Phew. Especially when oh, you know, especially when the, when the neighborhood kids were out there, you're like, "Oh, yep. pass it to me, pass it to and me." Your form and is you like wanna, good and you want to be really too. smooth, right? Yep. It's like, the whole thing. and they all look at you know, they're laughing and everything. That's disappointing. Yeah, discouraging is now all of a sudden, you start walking with your head down, and I'm never going to do this again. Yeah, big difference. To be disappointed is again, it'll happen, but we can't live a life of looking at our whole life as a disappointment because that's where I put in disappointment not in the occurrence but as we look at our life as a disappointment for in general not turning out the way I wanted it to yep but then discouragement is now the going forward part it's set that's the setting part there you go that's like it sets in like it's like you know you could get a cut and you could get cut right and you're bleeding right but if you don't get that wound treated Guess what? It's going to get infected. And that's the infection that comes from the cut. The cut is like the disappointment. Ah, you got a cut. And that cut hurt. But then if you don't treat it and it's deep enough, that discouragement set in, that's the one that that kills you. Yeah, it does. It freezes you. It'll take you right to the grave. And then you, you... You won't move on. You won't do anything. And I, and I think of little children when I think about that. Sometimes they have such gifts and talent, talents. And if they're not careful, you know, as a little child, they'll take a disappointment as something so much bigger than what it is. Right. And that's why as, as adults, we're supposed to put that in perspective for them. Um, if they just had a, f- a failing as a child, 
We need to help them that it's just a disappointment that we still want them to nurture that gift of theirs and not be discouraged. Otherwise, you know, they they hide it from the rest of the world and they could have had a gift that they just they just left behind. And what is that gift? Doesn't have to be a gift that that we see in life. Doesn't have to be a talent for singing or artists. Sometimes it's just a smile on our face. That's it. That they have a gift of smiling, a gift of encouraging, a gift of anything, (laughs) a joy. And and it's so important. You know, why why is it that all, little children are always playing and happy, and as we get older, we become we become meaner and grumpier to the point we hit an age where people don't even want to be around us. It's because the adults mess them up. Yeah. That that's that's why the adults mess. Yeah, we do. You know why? It is because, and I gotta catch myself sometimes because my five year old he's just as happy. He's jumping around. He's playing, and you know I could have a bad day or I just don't feel I got so much on my mind for some reason. You know. He'll ask me, oh, daddy, you want to play? Not right now. <laughs> like, why? Why Why? Why am I yelling at him? Right? He's going to be discouraged from even asking me. Right? And and I feel so bad at times. And, and you know what? It is a learned behavior. Because just as how I'm reacting to him, he's going to take that. And and that's the thing. We don't think that they have those type of emotions to, to say, like, oh, that hurt. We don't. We don't think that they have feelings and they don't have emotions too, as far as being discouraged from asking me to play with them, right? So, it taught me a lesson like, like okay, behavior like that, as far as discouragement is learned. My son playing basketball, I don't let him win. I don't let him win because I'm gonna let him know you gotta work hard to win. And guess what? It doesn't mean that if you lose today, you're gonna lose tomorrow or lose the next day. You keep trying. So, so it's. Because you fail, that means that you're not going to try again. No. You're going to work hard and you're going to work hard and work hard. And guess what? When I'm an old man and you're a young man, you'll eventually beat me. But until then, you're going to take all these losses until you win because you will eventually win. It will happen. I think it's, 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 our, it's our duty you know, as parents and, and if we're in that leadership role to teach people who might be struggling with that that you you can't get past this and like you said if you have that gift of encouragement use it and that's a great gift people don't talk about they talk about athletic gifts they talk about musical gifts they talk about all these gifts but the gift of encouragement all the other gifts say all the other gifts say look at me and those are great gifts to have but encouragement is all about other people it's selfless it's a selfless gift i like that definitely like that I'm going to throw despair on here as well, Star. Okay. Because despair, because we went from disappointment is an occurrence. Discouragement is all of a sudden we don't want to try anymore. And then it's tied into despair because now despair comes in. And it's not only are we giving up on life, but we believe that whatever was going on, that it's the end of the world. We're in despair. And again, our minds fool us on so many different levels. You know, if you go back to when you were a teenager, that first boyfriend or first girlfriend, right? Oh, they're everything. I'm in love. I can't live without them. Where are they now? <laughs> you was in despair then, though. But it was, it's, it's, it, that's, that's what we can't really trust. And that's what happens with despair. And despair hits a lot of teenagers and, and even younger people. And we see, it's heartbreaking to see young people committing suicide. Yeah. Because with despair, they believe that there's hopelessness. 
Um, and it comes from a, a, a disappointment to discouragement to despair. They really believe that this is this is the end of it all. And what that is, it also has to do with our view, our perspective, because we're not seeing the big picture. We're seeing one item in our life that may have failed. Yeah. But our life isn't all about one item. Our life is is you know a thousand stars in the sky it's so many different things not one thing in our life makes up our life one bad action can i mean you murder somebody that can make up your whole life mm-hmm. no matter what good you did in your life gets wiped out right uh, but in general one disappointment maybe even more disappointments a group of disappointments should never bring about despair sometimes it's just a different plan we got to play Sometimes it's a different part we have to go. Sometimes it's a wrong direction we're going in. And what am I in despair about? What am I discouraged about? Well, just move on. Something didn't work. You know, you go down the boardwalk. I take my kids there on their birthdays. You know, I don't. we don't win at one at one booth. We don't go home. We don't get right. discouraged. We don't get despair. You know, we're disappointed. Right. Just so they just got three bucks off me. You know, it's not a quarter anymore. They get you a lot. They get you for yeah. good money. <laughs> All right. Now, let's let's try. Let's try another game. And you go and you go on, and you might miss that one, and you're a little disappointed. Now you start getting discouraged. All right, I'm six dollars in now. And now, now my, all of a sudden they want to go play, you know, the basketball game, and you know there's no way in the world you're hitting Not the basketball winning. game, especially when you just you just hit the air ball in the, in in, the, in your neighbor's driveway the day before, yep. and the rim is so small and the it's ball, bent, the ball is and it's, bouncing. And it, it's, it's, all right, and that now you don't want to get discouraged. You don't go into despair. But you're gonna go and you're gonna give it a go, and then all of a sudden, you know, you'll you'll get to that game where all of a sudden you'll you know I can I can blow up a balloon on the top of a of a clown. It's nothing. And all of a sudden, you know, you're beating the six year old, yeah. and at the end, it doesn't matter that it was a six year old. When you win and that balloon pops, like, yeah, like, and you're the winner. Oh man, you don't you're, care. You're Rocky. Nope. You're Rocky standing yep. up on those steps. Yep. You're so all of a sudden the disappointment, the discouragement's gone, and you're and you're getting your cheap little. Um, stuffed animal that you that you wanted to win but that's that's life and that's how we have to look at it is that there's there's always a different prize another prize something else out there and maybe what we were marching for or what we wanted isn't the way it went but there's so much more to life than just the little puny focus that we put on things there's so much more out there for us that we don't even realize and the reason that we miss out on so many of these things is because sometimes we're so focused on something else that we just miss out. And sometimes it's good to miss out because it's like if you had got that, then you would if you had got that, you would have got the next opportunity that was even greater there. And despair, despair is very sneaky. It's tricky um, when you can, especially when you're focused on marching towards something and you got a goal and you got a plan and you're, you're trying to make it work. You're trying to work the plan and nothing at all seems to work. And despair, you get desperate. You know, when you're despairing, you get desperate. Then you just start trying any and everything. And that's when it becomes dangerous because now you're in a cycle of trying any and everything. That's when you can feel there's a a word right here, hopelessness. I wanted to tie that in. Now, when you lose hope and you lose everything after you tried everything and and you like the Tasmanian devil just turning around and, and just causing wreaking havoc. And then you look around and see all the mess that you've made from the decisions that you've made. Then when you go into hopelessness, because nothing worked, even the plan didn't work, even the confusion didn't work, the chaos didn't work. What else is there to do? Yeah. 
and that hope is just um it's just one 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 track one track that a train can go on and where we get that hopelessness from is we see that the that trail that tube that track is blocked and we forget about all the other ones and that's why our perspective is wrong we say it's the end but it's not the end there's all these other ways to get to different places and some of them may even take you there but that's where that hopelessness that despair comes in and we have to be very careful how about jealousy oh that's a big one yeah so what why why do you in off the top of your head why would you think people get jealous from lack people get jealous from lack it's not that they see something it's not that they see something and say oh i want that because they have it they have they have it from lack you know it's like if you see a relationship that might be functioning better than yours it might be because you lack what you know that relationship has in your own relationship is from lack of say you have a, a certain car and you see someone with a different car and you, you become jealous of what they have is all inward is yeah. because you're 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 lacking something in your own life you know that jealousy brings them around and it's not you say jealousy and envy is kind of like the same but jealousy is almost like i want to put it like not envy it almost is like when you when you're looking at something it it it, it confuses your mind and when you it confuses your mind you want to you want to put those unrealistic expectations of not having that on someone else you want to put it on someone else and you and and the anger comes in of to why you don't have that so say you're with your partner and you see another relationship that may be flourishing they're doing this and they're doing that right and you're in this relationship and just because you don't have that and you become jealous you start to put those expectations to say i want this in my relationship on that person because you don't have it blaming somebody else for your problems instead of looking at yourself we look at other people and jealous and envy that you know depends on whether we look at a relationship a person jealousy or 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 envy and they go hand in hand in many many ways and it goes back to feeling sorry for myself because sometimes feeling sorry for myself is why did this person or I don't have this because and then jealousy or envy is that's the cause mm -hmm. that's the reason I don't have it why do they have it and I don't they don't you know they don't deserve it and it's all about so many different layers of weakness that are in there and then there's jealousy in a relationship there's jealousy of not trusting mm -hmm. that person and once we realize We'll say, well, I love that person so much, or I care about that person. I'm afraid of losing them. Now we're getting into anxiety. Is it really? Is it a real fear? And if it is a real fear, why would you lose that person? What are you doing about it? What are you doing to make yourself the best person? That if this person does leave me, they're a fool, because there's nothing you can do to keep a person from leaving you. No, nope. it's out of your control. The only thing that we can do is create an environment where this person, I have a good environment where this person wouldn't want to leave me. Instead of worrying about them leaving me, worrying about what I can do so that I'm not a jerk, that they wouldn't want to leave me. Right. And then, you know what, so be it. If I'm a good guy and I do everything right and they leave me, <laughs> what, what out else? of my control, nothing I can do. And they may be making a wrong decision. They may be hurting the family. They may be doing a, a, so many different things, but it's out of your control. You can only do what you can do about yourself. You can support and try to help that other person. But jealousy, uh, 
will just do the opposite. It'll actually drive somebody away. And then the envy that comes into play as we, as we spoke about, it's why do I even want those things? Sometimes we need to be so careful because now envy could lead towards stealing, yep. killing, murdering, just like anger. They all, they all feed each other. They're very, very You know, the ugly. funny thing about jealousy, when you think about it, is if a person is um, jealous of somebody, they're almost looking at that person like they, they don't deserve to have it, but you do. Mm-hmm. And you didn't even do what they did to get it. Yeah. They didn't put you, you didn't put in the work, you didn't put in the time, but you're jealous of them. And you're saying, well, I did this and did that, and I don't have that, but they do. So it's easy to look at other people and say, I want what they have and they don't deserve it. How would we feel if somebody looked at us and said, I want what you have, you don't deserve it? Right. So picture I go to work all week and they want my paycheck. <laughs> that, that, that's, right. what, that's what envy is. Yeah. It's they want my paycheck. Hey, I went to work and did this. Well, you know, I'm smarter than you and you have that better job than me. Well, it goes back to you and I are both sitting in these chairs that we're sitting in by choices that we've made. Right. Somehow I got in the right spot in the right place somehow right. to to get that pay- paycheck. Doesn't mean I'm any smarter. Just choices that we've all made in life. Uh, and we have to be very careful of that because that's also where uh, socialism comes into play, which is very dangerous and... I don't have a problem with socialism, except that it'll destroy your your country. Um, you start to get everybody to believe that they ought to have what somebody else has. When I say somebody else has, it doesn't mean there's, I can have an apple and therefore you also have the right to have an apple. Socialism says that I have an apple and you have the right to my apple. You know, there's, right. a, there's a big, big difference I, there. I think a lot, of, a lot of times with people, man, is like, you got to take responsibility for your own actions and your own family, your own everything. You know, I don't expect anything to be handed to me. I expect, you know, for me to take my responsibility upon myself, you know, to do what I have to do to make a way for myself in this world. You know, guarantee some things might be difficult or hard or stacked against me or whatever you want to call it. But it's my duty and my responsibility to figure it out and, and see how I can change those things where they work out for the best. I like it. How about hurt? Hurt is something that, again, we like to hold on to. Because if I can hold on to hurt, it allows me to be bitter. Right. And we'll all let our hurts define us. It's amazing how society has changed. If you would have gone back a few generations ago, they would never share negative things that happened in their life or things that maybe in their family were embarrassing to them. They just didn't, they weren't spoken of. Nowadays, everybody wants to throw it out out there, whether it's social media, because it brings attention to them. Oh yeah, this happened to me when I was a kid. Oh, I have a bad relationship. I have. The, everybody wants to throw out all these negatives, which blows my mind. They want to be labeled by their hurts yeah, like they want to live in their hurts they want to be proud of their hurts because it's big business yeah. <laughs> it's almost like you know sadly you know guarantee some people have been through some horrible things and their stories deserve to be told you know to help encourage somebody that might be going through you know some some Absolutely. situation similar but a lot of times too man people are 
exploiting their own experiences just, you know, for a book deal or, you know, for these things that that happen is not truly sometimes to really help people to say, like, look, I've been here and this is how I got and this is how I got through it. Uh, I think a lot of times, you know, hurt can be powerful. It's just like, you know, you touch that stove and it hurts you. It just you not do it again. And also it can be things out of your control. You know, certain hurts that we experience and, and people experience that they can't control and some that you can control. But whatever that hurt is, you don't want to use it almost to benefit you because there's a reason why you went through it. You want to always use it to to help somebody else. And that's what it's for is, you know, I think the lessons in life that we learn is also is always to pass down to the next generation, the next person to help them out, to help them be stronger, because it's like you got to evolve from that almost, you know, to be in that situation to help somebody out. I say don't waste a hurt by making it about you. Right. And you came up with the key thing that the only thing a hurt is good for is how you can then help somebody else through it. If you've experienced something and then somebody else is going through it, I know the way I am. If I've gone through something and you want to be compassionate and just say, oh, sorry, or this, I'm like, I appreciate that, but you haven't experienced it. Right. When there's the person that has experienced it and says it to me, that person is looking into my soul and I get what they're saying and I know that they understand me and there's a connection. And that person's comment to me is more soothing to me. And that's where we can't waste our hurts. Whatever we've gone through, it isn't about labeling myself, look at me, oh yeah, I'm a mess because of this, or and almost being proud of it. But instead of going and taking those hurts and using them to where I can now help other people and learn from my hurts, you know, learn about myself, learn about who they've made me to be, and some some hurts could end up turning out really well for us. And, I believe that. And we can never say that except for ourselves. I can never say one of your hurts turned out really well for you because you went through the hurt. But I can certainly say it about myself that I can think of some hurts that I wouldn't wish upon anybody. Right. And I'm glad they happened. Of course, because it points you in that direction. Like, you know, when my mom passed away, obviously that was the most devastating time for me. But now when I look into the people, to people's eyes that who lost a parent or lost somebody and I said, look, I've been through the same thing. And at that time, it felt hopeless. Everything was all lost. And my advice to them all the time is like time will heal. There's nothing no one can say to you right now that's going to help soothe that pain. But as time go on, you will feel better and you will see the purpose to which it happened because it ends up being a purpose behind it and my purpose is is when someone lose someone that's close to them at that that nature that i can i can help them i can i can say something to them that that i understand like you said i've been there and i've been through it and look if i if that didn't happen i probably wouldn't have become a personal trainer so now it fuels my passion so when now i'm training other people and i'm training like a mother or father and they have health issues and i say look i lost my mom to this I think diet and exercise could have saved their life and is my 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 calling to make sure that 
I can do whatever it is I can do to help you because you're somebody's mother, you're somebody's father. And usually when I say something like that, because I mean, I put everything behind it, they can understand where I'm coming from because now they're looking outside of themselves and they're looking like, wow, if something happens to me, how will my son feel? How will my daughter feel? So it goes beyond, okay, I'm not just getting healthy for me, but you want to get healthy for yourself. But I'm getting healthy for my family because I can't leave them behind. I got to start taking care of myself. So you can be positive. You can turn a hurt into a passion. And you can also turn your hurt into compassion. Because if you've gone through something, now you want you can be compassionate. You can understand what others are going through. And again, it brings us back to making it about others. And when you make things about others, it makes your problem it diminishes your problem or makes it smaller. It doesn't make it go away. But remember, it's there's the counterbalance. Something else is becoming bigger. Somebody else. My perspective is changing. I'm focused on that other person. I am allowed to now heal by helping others. Yeah. If perfect. I want to heal by focusing on myself, it seems like we never heal. It's true. But if I can heal by focusing on somebody else, you be you end up helping yourself by helping others. Drop the mic. Maybe you got more stuff on the topic, but man, <laughs> heal by helping others. I like heal by it. helping like, others. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's let's go to helplessness and powerless. Okay. They sort of go hand in hand. Yep. Helplessness. I, I real simple. I wrote down to this. It's pathetic, and that's what I say to myself when I when I think I'm helpless about something. <laughs> I just say, "You're pathetic. You're pathetic. You're not. You're not helpless." Um, and it goes back into powerless like you you think that a situation or something is beyond my control but what isn't my i'm beyond my control is how i react to it and i'm not a victim and i look at powerless as being as as weak as you allow yourself to be and i put those two things together and you know sometimes when you go into those you get discouraged despair all these things are all all gonna tie in and and you feel like i can't get out because then it, it'll lead to um, you know, the despair and, and it's all nonsense. I'm not helpless. I'm not powerless. Um, you know, this is merely a circumstance called life I'm, I'm going through. And maybe I don't have the power to make this event happen the way I want it to. But again, I don't usually have the power to make anything happen. I can only create the environment, sort of like the relationship we were talking about. All I can do is create the good environment. A very wise man told me a long time ago after I had messed up a good part of my life and I was still complaining about some things that were bad in my life. And he said to me, he goes, you plant bad seeds, bad things are coming up. So you plant good seeds, good things are eventually going to come up. You're now planting good seeds. Good things are going to come up. But you planted a lot of bad seeds you can't get upset when the weeds are still popping oh up. Oh boy! Yeah, and, and and that's what it was all about. So and, and now I can plant all the seeds. I can water really well, but we still might not have a good harvest. Right. But it's the environment. If I want to get an apple tree, first thing I got to do is create the right environment. I got to till the soil. I got to get the fertilizer in there. And guess what? I got to get an apple seed. Right. You know, I can go plant an orange. I, I can go put in an orange seed and then be so surprised when an orange tree comes up instead of an apple. And then you would say, well, what kind of seed did you use? An orange seed. And you say, 
what did you expect? Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> did you expect something different? And, and that is what we do have control. We can create the environment for good outcomes and things we want, but we can't guarantee the outcomes. You know, you talk about, you, we both talk about our kids a lot, Star. Yeah. All we're doing is creating the environment. That's all we're trying to do. Create the best environment. And it's still out of our control. That's right. Because you can do that and you see it all the time. You know, you can raise two kids under the same household, same parents. And then they have totally different personalities. One can go left and one can go right. But all you can do is create the environment. And I believe that if you do create that environment, guess what? This one might go left and this one might go right. But they both will have some kind of remnants of what that environment, you know, that you created on them. So they, they'll eventually come back to what's been taught, to, you know, what's been, you know, provided for them. They, they eventually come back. It might not be when you want or think that it would be, but it eventually does. Some, okay. Somewhere deep in there that is there. Well said. Self-criticism. As men, we will be quick to say, well, I'm harder on myself than anybody. We wear that as a badge, but it's wrong. And I'll tell you why. We owe ourselves a little bit of respect as well. We shouldn't be any harder or any less honest with ourselves than we would be with somebody else in trying to help and encourage them. And what helps was that we, you know, we, we miss out on the balance. It's one thing to look at ourselves and be angry or discouraged in ourselves and kick ourselves in the butt and use that discouragement not to let things happen again, right? All that displacing, displacing weak with strong. I mean, we have to be careful because if we're overly critical of ourselves, we miss out. Actually, the best way I want to show this is picture us as another person. If we're only focusing on the critical, what are we missing out on all the positive? And the critical is great to say, hey, this is something that's holding you back. Move it out of the way. But what's it holding you back from? Look at all these positives. And we end up not doing that with ourselves enough. There's, we're usually out of balance. We either we choose to be blind and take pride in foolish things about ourselves or things that aren't really a talent, or we go to the other side and we're critical about ourselves, overly critical. And would I treat somebody else the same way? I treat myself like dirt star. I look in the mirror sometimes. You I'll, suck. Yeah. Oh, that's a nice word. That's a nice word. I'll, I'll call myself a loser. Yeah. Low life. Oh, uh, so many, man. so many different things, and it's wrong. And I say that because, again, oh, I'm harder on myself than anybody, and we take that as a badge. It's wrong. It is wrong. It's it's wrong, and we think it's a strong statement. And it's really a weak it's, one. I was about to say it's the weak, it's the weakness. I wanted to say before you, it uh. is it, 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 it is the weakness. And let's go back to that morning ritual, right? If you keep calling yourself and telling yourself what you think that you are or feeling at that moment, that's what you will be. You're not going to be that strong. You're not going to be that upright. You're not going to be that brave, courageous. You're not going to be all of that. If you keep telling yourself those stories about the based on how you're feeling, you know, the funny thing is when my brain gets tired or my body gets tired, right? I know it's time to go to go to bed because what happens after fatigue and tiredness, I usually start going into that self, that that um, bad self-talk, calling myself um, 
calling myself, oh, you're a loser and stuff like that. When things are difficult and piled up and I get tired, would I say, you know what? I'm going to bed early tonight. And usually when I wake up, because I know it's like fatigue, I usually feel better. And it's like, oh, and you're watching movies and people are getting tortured. What's the goal? You want them to stay up as long as possible and they're torturing them, breaking them down, breaking them down. So it's like you're doing the same thing to yourself. Usually sometimes to spot that spot fatigue first, because it might just not. It's not true that you you suck, you're a loser and you're this and that is that you're so fatigued that your thoughts right now are really not true. And you start saying these things by yourself. So I, I can only say what, what, what I do, because it usually happens when it's late and I'm tired and I start saying I didn't do this today. I feel that that today uh, I got into it with my wife or this didn't go right on the job or whatever. And I start saying, man, you know what? I can't do this. I'm I say, you know what? Let me go to bed Be- because I know it's the fatigue that's talking. I'm, I'm giving up now. The torture is setting in and I'm saying I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk. I'm going to talk. I'm going to start talking. So I say, you know what? I need to rest. Get up, go, go to sleep early, get up, get a nice breakfast. And you'll be good to go because when your mind is weak, your thoughts start yeah. rambling start like that. that. Your thoughts, your mind is weak. Everything starts going weak. Your yeah. actions, everything. Yeah. So it's an self-criticism is an unbalanced report. You know, we look at our, our report card. It has the good, the, it has all the information on there. It shows areas that need improvement shows areas that are really well. I gave the story about Saturday morning with my son and talking about the weak guy. That was the critical criticism, I'll say, that part. But the other part of that, the balance was me talking to him and encouraging him the whole time. You're strong. Yep. You're strong. You are so much stronger <laughs> than that. Man, you are fast. You are this. You're the strongest one. You know, I was pointing out how strong he was. You affirmed him. Because... He was focusing, he was so much living in the weakness that I, I wanted to point it out and say, that's, that, that's a bad guy. Here's the strong guy. You're really the strong guy. And that's what we do. We're giving out an incomplete report. We're, not, we're, we're giving out fake news, if you would. We're only giving out one side of the story, the things that weren't so good. And, and we all have those things. You know, if every day is going to be just a critique and a critique shouldn't be about just the critical stuff, the, the bad things. It's the good things that were critical right. in our day as well. That's a proper critique. It is. People think that a critique is just to go into the, the bad things, but it's not. It's to take the overall view, the good and the bad, and look at it. How did this plan go? How did this mission go? How did this project go? How did my day go with my family? Take the all of those and now, how am I going to use them to create that different environment tomorrow? It's true. And that goes back to the wisdom, taking what we know, learning from it, and not repeating it. Okay. So that's self-criticism we need to be careful of. I want to touch on sadness and loneliness a little bit. Uh, sadness is a choice. We choose to be sad about things. Um, and it's by focusing on the negative. And I'm really going to keep that one real simple because that one is so easy to overcome. An event can make us sad, but sadness is something that we choose. We could be saddened by something that happens, 
But being sad is still a choice in life. Some people just go through life sad. They're focusing on the wrong things. We started off talking about blessings, all the good things in life. If you're only focusing on negative, you're going to be sad. Nobody's going to want to be around you. And it leads me to my next thing, loneliness. Why do people want to be around, I don't know, Beyonce, Angelina Jolie, whoever they are? They want, they believe they want what that person has. They are attracted to that person and the persona that that person puts off. I don't think there's a movie star out there that would be lonely in that aspect. So if a person is truly lonely... There's two aspects of loneliness. One is in actual count of people. Then I have to question myself, who am I repelling? Because people want to be around good people. People want to be around friendly people. Yeah. People want to be around caring people. What am I not doing? Or who am I that I am repelling yep. others that I feel lonely? It's usually that I'm focusing all on myself because nobody wants to be around anybody that's selfish. And then there's the loneliness of intimacy. And when I say intimacy, I'm not talking about sexual intimacy. Right. I'm just talking about companionship, a, a, right? a, a companionship or intimacy in a relationship. And again, that also depends on me. Because with everything, we have barriers that we all put up. And unless we're, we're going to be strong enough to recognize our weakness, take away that, all of those veils that we've put up and all those barriers and all those shields... We're never going to have an intimate relationship. They're always going to be shallow. It went back to what we spoke about before, about just being you. If you never let a person see who you are, you're never going to have an intimate relationship. It's true. Because it's it's almost like a little bit, it's a feeling out period. You want to get to know that person. They want to get to know you. You have to show them who you are. And the only way to show them who you really are is to open up. So loneliness can come about by you repelling people or you not opening up to an intimate relationship with somebody else. And I think it could be addictive too. You know, some people like to feel the feeling of feeling lonely. And that's self-pity. Like you're yeah. talking about, they like to feel it. They like, and, and, and guess what? I mean, this was a different type of loneliness. I mean, during the period in my, in my life where I felt that way and I felt like, you know, I wanted to be by myself, like, like, I felt like everything that came into my life, I was going to lose. And it was just because I lost my brother. I was like, you know, I went through that, that, I guess that trauma. It was like, it doesn't matter if it's good, I'm going to lose it. It's not going to happen. So I would want to be lonely. And then I fell into that loneliness and I almost fell into this feel like, okay, this feels good. Like I want to feel that like pain almost felt good. And I was like, yeah, I'm here. This is me. I'm by myself. And it was okay. But it was it was wrong. It was the wrong thing to do because I was drowning in that and and coming to realize and eliminating loneliness, you know, love had to come in. Um, acceptance had to come in. Um, all those things had to come in in order for that to go away. But it's not a difficult thing to release because when you get so conditioned to it, you can almost like block your own blessing because is like something that is good for you comes into your life. You're so accustomed to being lonely is that you have those barriers set up. But these are the things that this is the antidote to help you 
but you you turn it away so much you repel it so much because you're so accustomed to what you know how you live your life and what you're accustomed to doing so you 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 got to be very careful with that and, and say to myself like okay i know i'm like this and recognize i know i'm like this because of and know that what's good for you it might be hard at first but just say you know what I'm going to give it a try and I'm going to let that in in order for you to move on. Well, sometimes that loneliness, we do it because we want to keep out hurt yep. as well. That's it. And unfortunately, you you don't keep out the hurt because you're keeping it in the cage with you. You right. don't realize <laughs> right. what you're keeping out. You said it was the cure. Um, you're keeping out the good, unfortunately. You're not letting in the good medicine. Uh, so a couple other things we're getting to an end. Insecurity. You know, what is really insecurity? Being insecure, it's... It's focusing on the on the bad things. We all have stuff to be insecure about, and we all have stuff that we're we have we're strong in. Uh, insecurity is something that we're going to have anxiety about. We're going to focus on too much, and we're going to worry so much about that weakness being exposed. It adds on to so many other things: the loneliness, lack of intimacy, because we're insecure. We're afraid of somebody seeing that we're weak. And once we start realize that's part of the importance of what we're trying to do with the podcast is getting other men together to realize, to let them know it's, listen, we're all weak. We all have these weak tendencies, but let's focus on being strong together. Let's build each other up. And the only way we can do that is by letting down the guard, opening up, start having intimate, close relationships that we can help each other. But if we're so insecure that I don't want you to discover my weakness, right. guess what? My weakness is still going to be there. And pretty much all anybody will ever see, if you're always going to try and cover up as an insecurity, is usually covering it up in a weak way. So then people are just going to see you as a jerk in one way or another. Um, and you'll, re you'll repel people. So with that insecurity, what is there to be insecure about? Really nothing. I mean, God made us all the way he made, him, made us. Um, we could try and change. We could try and do different things. Um, but what is it really to be insecure about? What do we, there, I'm, you know, I'm not smart enough. I'm not this enough. I'm not that enough. Or I'm afraid of something. Okay. Everybody is. Everybody ha has that um, issue. And, and I think it comes in from time to time. Sometimes trying to live up to, to standards that, you know, society or people may place on you. But I think it, once you get comfortable within your own self and 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 believe that you are made uniquely mm -hmm. and you can only work to the best of your potential, you can't work to anyone else's potential. You can't. You can only do to your own potential. And once you're doing the best to your own potential, then insecurity is nothing because you're not even in the same lane. You're 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 living you're living your maximum life through through what you have in you so it doesn't matter what other people may say and i think that's it you're, you're so concerned about what other what other people are going to say about you or or about what you've done or you're not living up to what they may think that you're you're building all these things to try to please people and guess what you never will you nope. can't you never will nobody's better at being you than you absolutely we're gonna wrap up with a real simple one Guilt. It's done. <laughs> it's done. It's over with. What is guilt really going to do about it? Guilt is your way of beating yourself up 
over something that you've already done and keeps you from creating the environment, the better environment going forward and doing the things. All of the things we listed here are things that take us away in and of themselves in a glimpse. There's nothing wrong with them except that when you add them all up, it takes away so much from what I ought to be doing. So if I go through this entire list that we went through today, games, jealousy, processed foods, debt, anger, fear, insecurity, bitterness, pettiness, guilt, envy, laziness, self-criticism, self-pity. Some of them are combined together. Sadness, loneliness, rejection, anxiety, worry, helplessness, powerlessness, despair, discouragement, hurt, disappointment. How much time out of your day does that take? That's a lot of work. That's a lot of time. And we think we don't have enough time to do the things that we want to do for the people we really care about. That is a lot of work. That's a big burden to carry. No wonder we're all stressed. No wonder we have anxiety. These are all the things that are going through our minds. Every day. Yeah. So guilt is just something that we got to let go of. You know, you do something, you, know, you apologize. Um, you can only create the environment going forward not to let it happen again. Don't do it again. Um, you know, I, I struggle with guilt quite often. And, you know, sometimes things, errors that you've made in the past of your life... They're going to resurface the rest of your life, unfortunately. Yeah. That's the bad seeds. You planted them. You can't, you can't dig them up. They're, they're, it, it's done. Yeah. It's done. Um, the only thing you can do is, is plant some really good things. And that's the environment that we're going to create by getting rid of all these, putting our past behind us other than to learn from it, great experiences, to share for others, and moving forward just to be different. You know, taking back control of our lives. Because if these all of these items are going through our mind every day, Star, we're not in control. No. We're just along for the ride. And this is not a pretty ride. This is a, this is a horror. That, that, that is an up and down roller coaster. And, and all those things that you listed can take you on a roller coaster if you let it. Um, you know, with the, last, with the last one, guilt, I too sometimes, you know, struggle with that. And, you know... It comes to just being acceptance, knowing that, okay, it happened. You did it, accept it, do the time, move forward. I think a lot of times if you can get trapped in that, it's saying to yourself, if you would have done it different, if you would have made, you can't dwell on what you could have done or should have done. You got to accept it for what it is, take it for what it is, and move on. And like you said, it will re resurface itself which is a learning tool now you have a opportunity to change change the choice that you know usually would get you in trouble you'll make a different choice so again it's a learning tool it's a learning tool because if you're guilty that means you did it if you did it that means you should have learned from it Amen. and if you learn from it means that you won't do it again yeah. so you know part of being open and honest is like i told you this is my list Right. This is my, this is some ugly, stuff on there that uh, definitely me too. Hey, yeah. you, you know, if you're going to go through and all of a sudden, uh, you know, if this were a dating site star, um, I don't think I would have listed any of these items on there, right? It goes <laughs> no. goes to show why, why certain relationships don't work. But if I'm going to be real with other men, I need to be open and honest. And, you know, listen, these are things in my life that I struggle with or have struggled with or whatever it may be. And, um, you know, that's why I made this list. This wasn't somebody else's. This was mine. And everybody needs to make their own. And some of these feelings are quite common. So, 
you know, they might be the same, but if you're listening, just make your list. It could go from the, you know, most basic things such as games all the way to, you know, rejection. Uh, you know, whatever, whatever gambit it may run, it's what you're feeling. And we need to take back control. And today's episode is just about eliminating some ugly, negative, weak things in our lives. So um, we're going to call it a wrap. Until next time, think different, be different, make a difference. And as always, we welcome your comments and feedback and questions. Uh, You can be found at Thinking Man Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and of course the website thinkingmanpodcast.com. Look forward to hearing from you.